passed over, rejected, or lost out because of prejudice? Of course you have. No one is exempt from either being presumed substandard or intentionally not chosen. Worse, sometimes our biggest critic and judge is the one who stares back at us in the mirror. Well, welcome back to this week's Living Your Dash podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you better connect the dots of discipleship. Now this week, Rick and Sean explore another important question that we must have an answer for. Will God charge me or pardon me? You won't want to miss Rick's message from August 9th, so don't forget to check out roselgrace.com for that sermon or other important information at Grace. Now, let's get on with this week's podcast. All right, well, Rick, this is fantastic. We get to get together one more time for another Living Your Dash podcast. And so this past week, uh, you you continued on with this fantastic new series, Five Big Questions. And so, you know, I was looking at some of the advertising literature that, that you have out there, and it said that God has five big questions addressed to us, and God expects us to answer all five. And, and I thought... Oh, wow, that kind of places the uh, responsibility on me to come up with the answer. Can you explain what you mean? Yeah, you're exactly right. And God does place the onus of responsibility on us on these questions. Uh, think of it this way. It, it, it'd be like if you were in a, in a classroom and the professor, mm-hmm. you got to the end of the semester and you had a test. And so the professor is going to give you a test, and on that test are questions. He asks the questions, but what does he expect of you to answer the questions? Right. You've got to answer the questions. So remember the location of these five questions, Sean. They're at the very end of Romans chapter 8. And he, he ends this whole from Romans 1, 1, all the way to the end of chapter 8. He gets to the end, he asks these five questions. Guess what? They're not trick questions. Every answer is found in Romans chapter 1 through 8. Uh-huh. And so it's as if God is saying, okay, we've covered material. Now, let's see if you learned anything. Yeah. And these are big questions because they have eternal consequences attached to them. And so, I mean, you think about the ones we've looked at. Well, here, question one, will God be for me or against me? Mm-hmm. Sean, every Christian needs to answer that. Yeah. They need to realize, okay, the answer is God really is for me. I'm in a fallen world, bad things happen, but I know God's in my corner. Tragically, some Christians feel like, man, God's against me. Mm. Look at all the bad stuff happening, and this happened, and I lost that, and lost my job, and this. And, and, and so they can very easily forget the right answer yeah. to this question. That's why God asked these five questions and says, you need to write down the answers, yeah. get them firm, so that no matter what happens circumstantially in your life, you'll be solid on these five core big questions. Right, that, and, and that's what I was going to say, is that these really are five of the most important questions that, that a person uh, should think about and is already answered for us. You think about the second question. Will God provide for me or disappoint me? Mm. That's a question we need to know the answer to every single day. Yeah. Today, is God going to provide for me, not just financially, but every other way? Yeah. Or, you know, is God just going to 
disappoint me every step along the way. Mm -hmm. And when I go through a disappointment, can I blame it on God? Is it His fault? See how big these questions are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this week, the question that you ask, is God going to pardon me or is He going to charge me? And so, and actually, you pulled out another story um, that Jesus uh, gave to us. It's actually another tax collector story, uh, but the setting is different. Uh, It's a parable. Now, can you explain to us again what a parable is? Yeah, a a parable is like a short story. Most of the time, very, very short. Sometimes it can be just a few lines. This one's a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. But it's very different than an allegory. With an allegory, every character symbolizes something. Every part of the story is symbolizing or representing something else. Mm -hmm. A parable is different. A parable, generally speaking, has one big point, one main message. And if you start trying to turn it into an allegory, you'll muddy up the waters and you'll miss the big point. So a parable usually has one big point and you have to read all the way to the end because very often the punchline, the the moral of the story is the very last line or two. Okay, okay. And as we know, Jesus, he used a lot of these parables. Um, so he, he obviously contrasted the two people. One is the tax collector, but the other one this time is, is a Pharisee. And so the tax collector seemed to be the underdog in his stories. Why is he using these two? Well, Jesus picks in his culture, he picks the perfect two examples of two extremes on, mm. on, on the spectrum. So uh, on one end is this Pharisee. In that culture... The, the Pharisee would be uh, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, he was right about everything. Uh, he, was, he never did anything wrong. He was perfect. If you didn't <laughs> believe it, just ask him. And so they, they had this, they, they kind of put off this air, not of just being good people, but being not just righteous, but self-righteous. Uh-huh. And that was, that was kind of the stereotypical idea of a Pharisee. On the other end of the spectrum was the tax collector. Tax collectors were hated. They were despised because very often they were Jews, but they worked for the Roman Empire. Mm. And the way they made a living was ripping people off and mm-hmm. abusing people and just squeezing money out of people. So they they were hated. Jesus could not have chosen uh, any better characters for this story to show the, the stereotypical two ends of the spectrum, the Mr. Goody Two-Shoes and the Mr. Rotten to the Core tax collector. Gotcha. Okay. And so he's bringing this to, to a point. So I, I find it interesting that you, you told us that we need to observe the stance of these worshipers uh, because they really reveal a lot about their, their presumptions. So one prayed, uh, the Pharisee, he stood and prayed about himself, which I find very interesting, uh, as if to say, I, I've earned my spot here, while the other stood at a distance, uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, and wouldn't even look up, but beat his breast far away. Um, so I find something interesting. What, what, what's this whole thing about beating his breast? Uh, is, it, is he trying to be a gorilla? What, what's going on with that? Yeah, it, just back to your stance thing, the, the Pharisee, I mean, what a picture. 
you know, he kind of stood kind of an arrogant type right. stance. But the, the line Jesus, you, and he prayed about himself. Sean, his prayer was not even a prayer. Yeah. It was a resume. Yeah. Hey, God, you, you, you want me on your team. Look how good I am. Look at yeah. all the things I've done. But what a contrast with uh, the tax collector who stood at a distance, wouldn't even look up. Just a a powerful picture of a humble, broken man realizing that he's a sinner, he deserves nothing. But the beating the chest, uh, in in the Jewish culture, that was a sign of humility, of conviction, Mm. of honest and open repentance. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's going on. This guy, he was broken, and he realized, you know, I don't, I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. Unlike the Pharisee who felt like he had earned it, the uh, tax collector felt like he could never, ever even uh, accept it or receive it because he didn't earn it, didn't yeah. deserve it. Yeah, I thought when I can picture in my mind this 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 man and his his uh, religious doodads, and I'm thinking it's almost like he's lecturing God. Uh, while the other person wouldn't even expect a response, yeah, and uh, and yet we know who's getting the real response from God. Yeah, the tax collector's prayer was so simple: "God, have mercy on me, a sinner." Wow, what a what what a prayer! Yeah, simple and yet profound because it truly shows a man whose heart has been broken and whose heart is repentance. And he knows he's a sinner in need of the mercy of God. Yeah. I, I think that, that he really did have the request, you know, have mercy on me. And I'm thinking, isn't that what God is all about? I, I think about Isaiah 66, uh, 2. This is the one who I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And uh, I, I thought that, that really, that's... The person that God esteems, not the person who's got it all together, together who has all the right answers, but the one who understands, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm in deep, deep trouble. You know, this, this parable, if you want to pick one biblical word to describe it, it's repentance. Mm. And you know, the, uh, the, the Greek word is metanoia. Mm-hmm. And metanoia, it's, it's the idea of a, a complete change on the inside, a change from the inside out that you recognize that I've been going in the wrong direction. I need to completely reverse course and I've got to go in a different direction. Sean, I was recently reading an interesting parallel or maybe contrast to that. Uh, The writer said that uh, the opposite of metanoia is paranoia. Huh. Now think about it. Uh, Metanoia means I want to make a spiritual change and go in a different direction. Spiritual paranoia is really based on fear. And it's instead of running toward change, it's running from change. Or think of it as if metanoia is a flight toward God. And that was the picture of the of the tax collector. He was he was going toward God. His first word is God, have mercy Mm. on me. But the uh, the, the Pharisee, he was really involved in spiritual paranoia. Hmm. He, was, he didn't want to look at his sin. He didn't want to repent. He didn't want to go in a different direction. He just wanted to brag about his accomplishments. What a powerful uh, idea that we need to avoid spiritual paranoia that would cause us to run 
from change and run from God. So the, the beating of, of one's chest was, was a, a demonstrative way of saying, I'm exposing it all. I know that, that in the, uh, there are other scriptures that talk about how when people are, are in, in deep mourning or deep consternation, they would rip their, their clothing. I mean, you can't go back on something like that. And I, I see this throughout scripture where, where people, they try, I love that, by the way. What, what was the book? That you yeah, read that I've just been reading uh, Brennan Manning's book, The Signature of Jesus. Wow. And he uh, he's quote, quotes a different author, uh, uh, giving this idea of spiritual paranoia. Yeah. And God, I, I'm saying that that's a very real problem in people's lives. It's such a temptation. So if I'm afraid of change, mm. I'm going to get paranoid of change. Yeah. Rather than metanoia, that I'm going to embrace change. Because I know it's the only hope. I see that in my life. I mean, I, there are so many times where I, I know I'm going to get caught, so I try to hide it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I told this to a lot of people, but there, there was there was a time I, I got an F on my report card, and, and so in my in my house, an F doesn't mean you get you know a nice little you know finger pointing and oh you better do better next time. Yeah. It was a beating. beating. <laughs> it was literally a beating, and so I hid my report card for two semesters until my mother cornered me and said, where is it? I need to see it right now. Yeah. And, uh, and then I also forged it. <laughs> I'm such a bad person. But I wanted to hide it. I didn't want it exposed. Yeah. Uh, and I, I see people doing that all the time. We hide behind excuses or we hide behind, um, um, I don't know, uh, emotional... Uh, explanations or that's the way God made me or stuff like that. We excuse, we rationalize, we blame and it's all about walking in darkness rather than walking in the light and the scripture over and over again uses that imagery of dark, you hide it or walk in the light and what the the tax collector is doing, Sean, beautiful example. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, mm. you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Wow, this parable. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's still powerful. reverberating with power. Um, I think that's great. Conversion, not aversion. I, I love that. Okay, so, so the tax collector was demonstrating true repentance in his life. So do I, do I need to repent in order to earn God's pardon in my life not earn not earn you, you do need to repent we all need to repent but not in order to earn repentance is not a work that earns salvation or in our parable doesn't earn his justification mm. repentance simply is it's opening the door of your heart for god's forgiveness hmm. if, if we don't open the door of our heart god's light of forgiveness cannot come in so when you look at the resume of the uh, tax collector, um, doesn't doesn't look very impressive. Yeah, uh, he lists nothing that he has done, other than to say, "God, uh, have mercy on me, a sinner." His acknowledgement is, "My resume is empty. I'm a sinner. I have yeah. nothing." And I, I think about that old song of "Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to Thy cross I cling." Wow, that's the picture of the uh, tax collector. The Pharisee, now, he uh, he thinks he can earn it. Yeah. But when you get to the end of the story, the punchline, 
I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. Yeah. What yeah. a powerful message. That's fantastic. You know, some, I have to be honest with you, I think that some people, because it really is more about the heart, right? Yeah. So some people may want to use this passage as, you know, the classic, see, I can worship God in a bass boat on a lake rather than, you know, put up with those phonies at church. So what would you say to that? Uh, yeah, number one, you'll find phonies on a bass boat just as well. Uh, <laughs> Sean, everywhere you go in life, there's going to be real people, phony people. Yeah. There's going to be Pharisees and there's going to be tax collectors. There's going to be people who try to impress you and earn your friendship and, and try to just uh, kind of earn their way through life and look at me, look at me. And there's going to be other people who are humble. I've decided in my life, I, I like hanging around sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. Yeah. Uh, perfect people really give me the willies. <laughs> um, I, just, I can't hardly handle them yeah. um, anymore. And, but the, you know, one thing also about the bass boat, yeah, you can worship God. You can be a humble person anywhere. But I do want you to notice where the two men are in the story. Did you notice they're both at the temple? Yeah. And they're praying. Now, one is praying with arrogance. One is praying with humility. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, don't don't ever let uh, self-righteous people keep you away from church. Right. Uh, any more than, you know, I see, hear people say that, say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to a football game on Sunday instead of church. You don't think there's phonies up there in the football <laughs> stands? Uh, you don't think there's people there that would... Uh, Turn on the team in a second uh-huh. and yell and scream. You know, yeah, and, yeah. I, I I find that kind of interesting because I, I I think that at least he got something right. The Pharisee got at least something right. Yeah. He knew he had to be at a temple and he knew he should be praying. Yeah. Everything else got wrong, but you know, at least God can work with that. Absolutely. <laughs> at least he made it to the parable. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, Rick, thank you so much for some thoughts on that. What are some other things going on here at Grace that we need to know about? Well, I'm excited again this Sunday. I'm loving this series, just what I'm personally mm. learning. And we're going to look at the, the fourth big question and it, it's, uh, will God defend me or condemn me? Mm. And it's, it's going to be a little bit different than last week. Uh, this one is all about how can a person get free from a painful past? We're going to look at a story in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus encounters a woman who's had an incredibly painful past. And, and this painful past has caused people to reject her to um, make fun of her, Mm. have nothing to do with her, and she's lived with this issue for many, many years. And we're going to watch how Jesus encounters her, and and rather than condemn her like everyone else in the community, that he actually comes to her defense. Yes. It's a beautiful story. So looking forward to that study. Also, something we have been preparing for for some time, We're going to be taking up our regional mission offering for our Bixby, Oklahoma church plant. And we're asking people to uh, prayerfully uh, bring their offering. And the Bixby church plant, things are really starting to cook. Mm. Uh, It's coming together. Uh, The core group is coming together. Uh, Pastor Lyndall Nolan is leading that team. 
and we're praying for a uh, a fall launch. Of course, COVID nineteen through oh, a, a through a monkey wrench in our gears. Yeah, but we're still praying, and but they're going to need they're going to need quite a bit of financial help to get it off the ground. So uh, we're excited that we get to partner with them, and that's coming this Sunday. So we need to be really prayerfully um, thinking and asking God what we can do. Absolutely. You mentioned regional. What regional as opposed to what? Yeah, our our goal. We kind of use a. Uh, from the first chapter of the book of the Acts where Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the earth. Mm -hmm. So we see our mission patterning after that where we want to be local, Mm -hmm. we want to be regional, we want to be global. Ah. Well, obviously, local, that's Grace Community Church in Roswell. Regional is Bixby, Oklahoma, the church plant. And then global, we uh, support New Vision Latin America with Jerry and Kayla Acosta yes. in Panama. Ah. But it's really Panama and Venezuela and beyond. All through Latin America, uh, the Acostas have an influence. Fantastic. So that's that middle uh, section of our regional offering, and we're excited about it. Wonderful. All right. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks again for being with us today. We hope that you have been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments at info at roselgrace.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And do us a favor by sharing this podcast on your favorite social media platform. For more information about Grace Community Church, visit us online at roselgrace.com. Until next time, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you.